0: This episode is brought to you by Smart Food. What makes Smart Food so smart? It's air pop popcorn, tossed in white cheddar cheese, only 70 calories per cup. A notorious black bag of popcorn deliciousness. You are what you eat.
1: Welcome to the Smart Club. Shop now at snacks.com.
0: On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost.
1: No, no, no. She didn't kill him?
0: Huh? in your true crime podcast.
1: It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your
0: run. And Brooks is here for every runner, doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. (laughs)
1: Hello friends, welcome to our ECW, the second second episode of our ECW podcast, which probably means if we get to the second one, then we're probably going to get to like the 600th one into the year 2000, so I'm pretty happy about that. (laughs) Who am I? I'm Matthew Kayfabe, uh, international man of Kayfabe, Uh, and I have here with me the only man I know who has gone to Oxford University, true and received a doctorate in professional wrestling. Also true. Dr. Damien <laughs> Gibson, how are you?
0: <laughs> Hello, Matthew. I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm looking forward to casting my uh, professional eye on this little uh, promotion called Extreme Championship Wrestling. I've
1: got to say, it is amazing um, that you managed to get a doctorate in wrestling without ever watching ECW. <laughs>
0: Your doctorate was I in know, Sunday right? night
1: heat, though. So, <laughs> um,
0: I actually managed to get a whole bunch of um, thunder this week, <laughs> which was um, uh, very exciting. Uh, I'm building my own library for the listeners because um, I just don't. Uh, I just don't trust. I just don't trust WWE, <laughs> which I think, even if you're a WWE fan, you can understand. Not trusting Vince McMahon is probably the right thing to do. And then yesterday, uh, my internet was down, and because I had uh, all ECW episodes, I was still able to watch it and bring in this episode today. So I just
1: want to point out that you, as well as being- Who's a, a
0: smart little doomsday prepper <laughs> now, eh? As well as
1: being uh, the the most qualified man on any wrestling podcast ever, um, <laughs> you, you are also the most Generation X man uh, i've ever met like just don't don't trust uh vince mcmahon he's given us this and he'll take it away
0: trust me <laughs> <laughs> well look man when you've been burnt by that motherfucker <laughs> as many times to- he did it to me again this week like just where i was like just sitting down to watch a pay-per-view and bang all of a sudden the fucking miz is world champion and i was like what the fuck that's right we're recording you know this I mean? in
1: 2010 for people who want to want to be placed in <laughs> No,
0: no, it's twenty twenty one. That's why that's why me and Brian Alvarez are so upset about this. <laughs> I'm pro
1: the Miz and I'm also pro uh ECW. So let's 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 run through the month of oh February. God, I
0: wanna I, I wanna talk about that Miz booking so badly. <laughs> that's but for another anyway, podcast. Let's get- Oh, it's so
1: bad. Anyway, let's get into ECW. Uh, we're at February 7, 1995. Uh, the Public Enemy, the show opens with the Public Enemy dancing to their theme song. Then we, they, they do that for about two and a half minutes. Then we go into the credits, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> which is unique. Uh, and then yeah. when we come back from the credits, there's no Public Enemy. In fact, we've got Jason, uh, who's billed as the most beautiful man in the world, uh, who enters to What a Man by Salt and Pepper, which is really like just adds so much to his gimmick. And he's here to announce his newest acquisition, confusingly uh, called Jason the Terrible. Uh, Jason the Terrible is dressed like Jason from. I've said Jason so many times in this podcast. I'm like an angry mum <laughs> at Kmart. Jason! Um, the. Uh, Jason the Terrible is dressed like Jason uh, Voorhees from the Friday the 13th series. Uh, Then we immediately get Jason the Terrible teams with the Pitbulls to defeat the Young Dragons and Hack Myers. They defeat Hack Myers by headbutt, which I appreciate as a finisher. Uh, Then Hack Myers attacks Jason, the most beautiful man in the world, after the match. Hack then is in turn attacked by the first appearance for us of the Virgin Princess Angel. Uh, Hack then knocks out the Virgin Princess uh, in a real 1995 uh, mood, pulls up her wedding dress that she's wearing for some reason and spanks her. Um, Angel then falls in love with Hack Myers, kisses Hack Myers, And Hack responds with a pile driver. The crowd goes (laughs) absolutely bonkers. Um, We get Al Snow uh, versus Chris Benoit, which is, I I know that we're supposed to save the commentary elements of this till after we've gone through the card, but it's pretty good. Uh, Then we get highlights of Sabu and Taz defeating the public enemy for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. And then we get a promo saying that Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko are coming
0: for Cebu and Taz. What did you think of this episode? Uh, I, this is the first um, set of episodes that we've watched uh, from the- let's call it the WrestleWolf library. <laughs> uh, and uh, which means that uh, we, we managed to get our hands on the, the original uh, episodes that went to air so we can see uh, all of the music mm. that, that the wrestlers are coming out to. And we'll probably make a lot of reference to that. So, if you guys are watching it on the network and going, what are you talking about? That's why I just wanted to quickly point that out, that, you know, <laughs> we're that big of nerds <laughs> that we went back and found the redubbed versions of these episodes. But it makes a huge difference, right? Like, it really- The opening scene of everyone dancing around to- uh, Is it hip- What are they- What's their song? Is it Hip Hop or- Um, no, uh, we're gonna It's like um Here comes the hot stepper. Uh, that's right. Um the lyrical gangster. <laughs> uh there uh, every so time good. they come out to that song you see I mean it's amazing, but you also see some of the widest dancing. Oh yeah. And I think that's the point you've ever seen. <laughs> not not necessarily from them, I mean from the crowd. Like it's we've got so many different timings for the because everyone's sort of doing the hip hop hooray. Mm. Uh, naughty by Nature thing, <laughs> but you've got about 14 different timings going at once. People going left when they should be going right. And it- <laughs> but the thing is, it gets people involved and it just looks like so much fun. Like I would have, I would have been at every taping of this. Mm. If I lived in, in Philly in 1995, I would have been at every week. And and I mean, we'll get to it later in the, in the month. But they're starting to get to the point where things are selling out. Yeah, like well, did like they're really starting to become a hot property?
1: I mentioned it earlier, but last month we were watching on the network, and we were we were sort of a bit. Uh, I would say we were mild on the character of Jason, the sexiest man in the world. As soon mm. as he entered to Waterman Man" by Salt and Pepper, I absolutely got that
0: gimmick, and was like, "That's fucking cool." It really makes me. I mean, obviously, we've sort of spoken about this before, where. ACW just didn't give a shit about mm. um, royalties or anything like that because it was just sort of going out on regional. You know, yeah, it was just going out on on not regional TV, but it was it was just going out in in um, like on the one channel. It wasn't going out on national TV, but it kind of made me think like, why don't why don't wrestling organizations have real music because. Like, when you go to any sporting event now in Australia, and I know it's the same thing in the States in in different ways, footy team- Like, my football team in the AFL here in Australia, Richmond, comes out to Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses Mm. every, every game. And I assume, like, you know, I mean, they would have to pay some sort of royalty for that. But if they're- And footy teams are notoriously tight for mm. stuff like that. So if they're doing that, I don't understand I mean I suppose if you've got twenty wrestlers coming out every episode on TV, maybe that it starts to I mean they've add had- up. but it can't cost that much, right? Like, Ronda Rousey be- came
1: out to Joan Jett, bad reputation, uh Sam Punk came out to yeah. Cold of Personality. Um Triple H Triple had A-H. Motorhead write a song for him. Yeah, like that. It's like, look, it obviously would would be more expensive than having like every single person have a heavy metal theme with a guy that sounds like he's constipated. Um, but WWE aren't going to pay for it.
0: Vince mm. is that kind of
1: a tight ass, right? Like, but I mean, they you, have in his, his head, whatnot. like in a few times they have gotten real. You know, un- yeah. the Undertaker came out to Limp Biscuit. I imagine Limp Biscuit were, you know, charging like a lot um, at that point. Like that was, hmm. you know. Fred Durst was in a fucking video game uh, for WWE. And, like, yeah. you know, obviously AEW, you'd th- like, you know, they must have paid Snoop Dogg a little bit to do the really awful remix to Cody's theme. Um, they've got Jericho doing his own mm. theme, which is good.
0: Um, you know, they Such paid. thanks the- has a Snoop theme, doesn't she? I mean, yeah, I know they're there's related. a family connection yeah. there. But, uh, but it just, like, I mean, both of us, anyone who's listened to any WrestleWolf a podcast at all know that the two of us are mm. obsessed with music so maybe we care about it more than others mm. but it makes a huge difference to the presentation and as you say like with jason it actually helps mm. put him over because when you're just seeing him coming out to the generic music it's like oh yeah okay he's a like a rick Martel, mm. you know is it rick Martel, the model is yes yeah Mike, yep. Pulled that out of my forty-one-year-old brain, <laughs> uh, you know, knockoff. But it just—I don't know—just sort of with all of these guys, uh, except for uh, Cactus Jack, who—who who we'll get to. I've got some notes on on his music later on in a different episode. Uh, so but, do I. Uh, I think we we might
1: have some uh, <laughs> p-
0: wild agreement to- uh- <laughs> uh, But uh, what? I love that. And then I was completely confused by what. hang on, there's two Jasons just called Jason? Yes. Like Jason's managing Jason. Like surely we could have So <laughs> Like just make Jason Mike Myers or Leatherface or you know what I mean? Like if you're gonna have like a big scary if you're gonna just take a character from a from a <laughs> from a horror movie, there's literally hundreds of scary horror so <laughs> guys I, that you can, you know, come up with. I she-
1: this is actually a good transition in the copyright. So on the WWE network they call him J Terrible, J. Terrible, which I'm assuming is because this is a rip off of a copyrighted character. They uh just they've changed the name to something <laughs> that sounds less rip uh, J J Terrible. Um, he uh, So, Jason the, the Terrible was a Canadian wrestler who, you know, was in Stampede and all those kind of things. His run in ECW is going to be such a big deal that if it's the same person, because I can't be 100% sure, even though it's the same gimmick and it seems mm. to be the same person, they look the same, uh, his Wikipedia doesn't even mention ECW um, and his stint there. And he's now a truck driver. So oh, this wow. might be the only uh, the only appearance of Jay Terrible.
0: Um, when I was a, a kid, I always thought being a truck driver would be a great job because I just was like, hey, just listen to the radio all day to be the best, and then <laughs> grow up and found out about the work practices that most yeah. truck drivers have to work under. I was like, no, I'm
1: cool. No, you're not a serial killer. So it's it's really a great <laughs> job for a for a serial killer being an interstate <laughs> truck driver. Um, What did you think of the Young Dragons who uh, faced the Pitbulls and Jason Terrible? Do you know who the Young Dragons are? Uh, No, but they didn't do anything. The Young Dragons are your favourite ECW wrestler, Mikey Whipwreck and Paul Laurier. Oh, Oh, really? So, that's why they had those ridiculous, like, 80s hair masks. It's Mikey and Paul. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and and what uh, did you think of the after after the match attack? Uh, that obviously isn't going to fly in twenty twenty one.
0: Well, I did notice that the kid offered. Uh, th- this is Hank Myers that we're talking about here with uh, with Angel. Yes, the Virgin Princess Angel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry, the Virgin Princess Angel. I noticed the kid in the audience who who really looked like he needed a crutch, like li- had a mm. literal physical crutch. Offered it to Hank Myers to to hit Angel with. And he was like, no, I'm cool. Thanks, kid. Uh, it's like, what happens when, if he takes the- Like, I don't think you've thought this through, kid. If Hank takes your crutch and then will destroy it, <laughs> then what? How do you how do you get out of the building? Commando anyway. crawls. <laughs> uh, I thought, look, me personally, I don't get- It's hard for me, unless someone's being- you know, racist or homophobic, like, I I know that ECW had this kind of stuff in it. So, it wasn't like, me personally, was I offended watching it? No. Or like, but there was a part of me of like, oh man, this. I could only imagine what the, I mean, imagine if this happened on Dynamite last night. Yeah. I, I mean, imagine, imagine, imagine the fucking, I mean, and rightly so. Like, you know, the uproar would be huge yeah. and it would be right. But, uh, fuck. I don't <laughs> think just- uh,
1: seeing a giant Hack Myers, uh belt, uh, a-,
0: a woman, was a great look. Uh, no. But then it was like, well, I don't know. I mean, there's, it, there is a history of. Is she like. Because in my head, I was like, well, she's a wrestler, right? So, I don't know. There was like. I did, for some reason, if I was watching a movie and a guy had hit a woman, I'd be like, oh, my God, that's disgusting. What a horrible human being. I hate this guy. But in wrestling, there was this, like, weird thing where it's like, well, wrestlers can, like, it's still jarring. But I don't know. For some reason with this, I was like, I don't know. In my head, I was like, she's a wrestler. Wrestlers, like, wrestle each other. Yeah, you know? I don't know.
1: I felt uncomfortable, particularly as the crowd went so, so uh they, they were ecstatic about this, and I was like, oh, it just, like, feels a little bit
0: awful. Um, I think it's that thing of, like, they do, they haven't seen it. You know, you would mm. never see that in Vince's promotion. You'd never no. see it in WCW even. So, it's it's Paul Heyman being punk rock, mm. you know what I mean? Of, like, well, you know, she can take a bump, so fuck it. Let's, <laughs> let's do it, you know what I mean? Like, mm. it'll fucking- It'll get a huge pop and blah, blah blah. But by even by 1995 standards, I think if I was watching in ninety five, I'd be like, ah, Yeah. I don't I don't I don't think that's kind of cool, but it all happened so quickly that I was like I don't know, it didn't register. now that we're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, that is pretty fucked. <laughs> when I was like when I was watching it, I was like, ah oh, yeah, well, you know, this is ACW <laughs> fucking got anything. It did definitely you know I mean? seem it was very ACW. Yeah, it's just- I mean, I'm not condoning this at all. I want to put that on the record, but I just- I don't know. In, in the environment of ACW, it's like, ah, oh, well, now this woman's being fucking pile-driven by Hank. Like, there isn't- there, I don't think there's going to be anything in ECW where I'm like, oh, well, I didn't expect that to happen. Just knowing Paul Heyman's attitudes towards everything mm. <laughs> and sort of already knowing what ECW was like going into it, I think that's my- my mindset but i would be you know it, i mean it, it, uh, there was a huge uproar when uh lucha underground had uh co mixed gender right matches term. yeah mixed yeah. gender matches um, and they were just they were just wrestling matches. Mm. Like that wasn't this. So, I- yeah, <laughs> it was like it's a tone setter. It definitely is. It's like, well, this is what fucking ECW is. And if you're not into it, then piss off. The
1: uh, absolutely and and on that, we've got our first title change. We're a, we're a month in, and we've got uh, the Public Enemy have lost the ECW World
0: Tag Team Championships. What do you think about Sabu and Taz? Oh, I still can't. Because I'm so used to Taz being this, like, hard-talking, hard-fighting New York guy, Mm. I I can't- I cannot handle this Tasmanian this Barney (laughs) Rubble gimmick. I just- Whenever I see him in that costume, I'm like, I can't- I can't take you seriously. But, I mean, obviously, uh, like, the Sabu and- uh, I mean, it's Sabu and Taz, so- You know, it would be weird if they didn't end up having some sort of championships. Mm. But um, the thing that's sort of slightly um, not irritating, but it's like, you know, like uh, it would be good to be able to see these Saturday night. Yeah. I'm hoping at some
1: point uh, once the pay-per-views and stuff come in, maybe uh, we start to actually see the big matches rather than getting, you know, a couple of pictures of them and a little bit of commentary. Um, Because it'd be nice to have seen the title change.
0: But it seems like they're filming those Saturday night Mm. shows, right? Yeah. So, but but we can't, like, they're not
1: airing those or- Well, the thing is, I think that- Everything we see is from the Saturday night shows. And then there's Joey Styles out the back doing like the, and you know, promos and stuff that are filmed separately. But they're not doing a, oh, if it's not right. like they're doing a live Thursday night show. They're doing sort of a clips show. Um, right. So, it's okay, all. That makes yeah. sense. Um, all right. Uh, and I'm also. I just c- thought
0: quickly. Mm. Uh, sorry. No, no, go. No, okay. I was just going to say, I thought the promo at the end here that Benoit does that goes for a little while. Mm. Uh, was quite good. I think I thought uh, Ben might actually cut a half decent promo, and he's like notorious for not being able to cut good promos. But uh, this was actually all right. It's, it's kind of interesting because we've talked
1: about how um, Paul Heyman's obvious skill is you know, people that wouldn't make it anywhere else finding the thing that you know, like your Mikey whip, reps, re- wick, ah, whip wrecks and things like that, finding the yeah. skill that you know, that to highlight and you know. Not highlighting the things that are maybe less exciting, but you're absolutely right. I thought the exact same thing about Benoit. Like, I'm obviously excited from a ring in ring standpoint. Like, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Sabu, Taz is pretty incredible if you're mm. into a certain kind of wrestling, and that wrestling with Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko is just wrestling. Uh, <laughs> and Sabu and Taz may be something a little bit different, but um, yeah. like. Paul's managed to find a way to make Chris to sort of highlight Chris Benoit's, I guess, strengths in speaking, and not include. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a Benoit like. I think Chris Benoit, in my opinion, is the best in ring, and maybe Malenko, the best in ring technicians I've ever seen. Um, I, his promos were always so terrible that I was shocked that this was. As enjoyable as it was,
0: yeah, it really stood out. It was just like, oh, wh- <laughs> what is this? Why why couldn't this happen in WCW yeah. and WWE? Yeah, but anyway,
1: well, I mean, as we at some point we're going to get to Chris Meyer world champion of W in our WCW show, which will be interesting to see because I don't remember that at all.
0: Uh no, no, I don't. I don't remember that either. All right. Well, on Valentine's, were, were there other world were there other world champions after 1997 besides Kevin Nash? I, I don't. <laughs> Wasn't Kevin Nash just the champion for four years? After- I'm not
1: going to have you coming here, like, you know, trying to dunk on the wolf pack, okay? like <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll fucking dunk on Kevin Nash all day. <laughs> That's only because his Guys, knees are bad. Watch- Go, go and watch Kevin Nash being interviewed eating uh, ravioli at the same time. It's uh, like I bring it up in all the... <laughs> the thank you to Matthew from Botchamania to bring it my attention as well. <laughs> it's the greatest, funniest. I'm put it in the sh- let's put it in the show notes. Sure. The link Chuck to it it. In. It's brilliant. Um,
1: <laughs> all right. Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1995. Um, we open to a replay of the tag team title match that we got the replay of last week. Um, I think it's worth remembering that in 1995, even the concept of these shows being watched back to back was like mind, you know, just wasn't real. Like these sort of shows were aired Mm. and then never aired again. And they weren't expecting 26 years later, a pair of real cool dudes to watch them all back to back and talk about them. (laughs) Um, That's what they call us. Hashtag the cool dudes. (laughs) Uh, Benoit then talks about how he beats everyone, which I quite enjoyed. Uh, Paul Paul Hmm. Lee warns Benoit and Malenko, uh, you know, that that Sabu and Taz are going to get him. Uh, Paul Laurier loses to Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, Whipwreck enters to loser by Beck, which is just wonderful. Um, Once again, this is probably the most important musical bit of this show. Uh, Cactus Jack defeats Sandman by severe brain concussion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, Sandman delivers a promo on Cactus Jack. Paul Laurier comes out and says he's a real giant, and nine one one can eat. Uh, I'm not. Gonna, I'm going to rephrase that. Paul Laurier comes out and says he's a real giant, and nine one one isn't really tough. Nine one one comes out and choke slams Paul Laurier dozens of times. It felt like uh, the crowd
0: mm. loved it. What do you think about this episode? Uh, I really liked it. I've written notes down here. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm moving house at the moment and I also had no internet for a day. So I've written, my notes are a little all over the <laughs> place when I was watching this yesterday. What is Chris Benoit coming out to? Can you remember off the top of your no, head? No, I can't. Cause I've written the music for Benoit is perfect and I can't remember. I, I can't remember. What sorry. the, what the hell that he comes out to. Um, yeah, I've written down Whipwreck coming out to loserism is amazing. Uh, Whipwreck and the Giant. Oh, sorry. Chris Uh, Benoit comes out to Perfect Strangers by Deep Purple. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, uh, It just, I don't know. It's just like Chris Benoit was always like, there's something like menacingly middle of the road about (laughs) Chris Benoit's music choice that I just thought was perfect. Uh, Whipwreck and the Giant are good wrestlers. Yeah, absolutely. That was the thing that really, like, came through to me. Like, in the first episode, I was like, oh, I like this Mikey Mikey Whipwreck, mainly because I'm like, oh, it's a little dude, and I like little dudes, so I'm going to barrack for him. He's my (laughs) ECW guy. Uh, But the Giant is, like, even smaller, Mm. which is, yeah hilarious. But they're actually good. And there were some bumps taken uh, to the floor here, especially by Whipwreck that were just- brutal, yeah. like the, the sound that you could hear through the camera was like, oh, they don't have, um, they don't have mats and they literally, like the floor is concrete. Oh, they
1: like, they're the not having mats thing and they mention it every time and they don't even need to mention it because it is so, like the sound is awful.
0: Yeah. Joey Styles says after Mikey Whitbrack's head hits the concrete, like, oh, I remember we don't have mats here in ECW. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I noticed. I noticed when I felt sick to my stomach when (laughs) Whiprax's head hit the concrete. Um, I assume uh, the ECW arena is a licensed place.
1: Uh, I don't know if it was a licensed place, but people were definitely drinking alcohol. Drinking. Um,
0: And not just the Sandman. It really- No, no, no. I mean, the audience Mm. is like- they're the kind of hype that can only happen when a crowd of people have been drinking beforehand, yes. during the event, and are excited to go and drink as much alcohol as possible. After yes, it.
1: this is this is a real like. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's not very many women in the crowd, I would say, and there's a lot of men oh, who are know. about twenty four years old and hype.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's uh it, it looks like so much. I mean. I mean, I don't drink anymore, but when I was drinking, this is exactly the kind of night out that I would <laughs> want. <laughs> uh, the Sandman Cactus feud. I, I. I. This feels like the epicenter of ECW at the right. moment. Like this yeah. is everything. Like the these two guys are. If you wanted to point out two wrestlers, ECW wrestlers, and be like, well, you know, name a feud that. Will show me what ECW is all about. I feel like this Sandman Cactus Jack feud is like, well, watch these fucking mm. psychopaths. And- <laughs>
1: I just love the severe uh, brain concussion. Like, you could, you, you absolutely would not say that on Wrestling Today <laughs> because people know what a severe brain concussion would do to you.
0: Yeah. I, I, at first, I was like, Joey Styles, we all know, <laughs> we all know that a, concuss- a concussion can only happen in one part of. <laughs> Oh, I got a One knee part concussion. Yeah, I've got a serious ankle concussion. <laughs> uh, but then I was like, well, I mean, that's probably around the time where people were starting to pay attention mm. to concussion. But even then, I was like, I don't think people were calling it a brain con- like I was. I've always been big into footy here in Australia. I don't remember commentators. Well, to, to be fair, calling it a brain concussion. AFL has
1: just started being <laughs> like Australian rules football. Have just started acknowledging
0: concussions are a problem. So. Yeah, yeah, but I mean they like yeah, but you still got concussions. He was told to go back out on the field. Mm. Concussions were a thing. It just was like but it was like, you know,
1: maybe they weren't severe brain yeah. concussions though. They were other kinds of concussions. <laughs>
0: you do have to have a brain to have a brain concussion, <laughs> I suppose.
1: What 911 uh, is over. He's seriously over, isn't he? For a guy that Yeah, they love you know,
0: they love him so much.
1: <laughs> I am um- I, I quite enjoy like the crowd reactions really um, do lift ECW a little bit. Like they mm. they have they do have legitimately great storytelling, um, and they do do really different things that would have been extremely exciting. But just like you know, a sort of six foot eight fat guy coming out with you know looking like a bouncer at a bikey bar. And like yeah. they just go absolutely apeshit for him beating up a
0: child, basically, and it's great. The other thing, the other thing I noticed about this is like, even though there's, uh, you know, there's so many wrestlers here that go on to have amazing careers in in the big time in inverted commas, but uh, Paul Heyman is is ECW's number one performer. Yes, yes. When when he comes out with nine one one, and like he's doing, like he makes sure that. Uh, it's like, it's like acting tropes and musician tropes where it's like, you know, you sing to the back of the room and make sure that you're connecting with everyone in the audience. And he does that in a really obvious way where like he'll stand and look at, mm. you know, the right of the ring. Then he turns around and looks at the guys at the back of the ring and then he turns around and looks at the left and then he turns around and looks at camera side and it's like no one is left out of Paul Heyman, including- Everyone, and like the way that I've heard him talk about ACW and heard other wrestlers talk about the way that he talked about ACW is that everyone was included and he purposely wanted to make the crowd feel like they were part of the promotion. Mm. And um, you actually saw it in full effect here in the ring, where it was like he's hyping everybody up in this auditorium. You know, he's not going to leave the ring until everyone's at fever pitch and smashing fucking beer cans on their heads. (laughs) It's just, it's so great. It's so 90s, man. Like the pangs of nostalgia that I get, uh, even though I never watched this back in the day, but just the the way that everyone is dressed, you know, um, it's like, like there was a, uh, someone was wearing a Detroit Flyers shirt in the background exactly like wayne from yes. wayne's world i was like oh, of course of course there's a wayne's world acw <laughs> crossover you know what i mean <laughs> like, um it- anyway i mean i'm sure it's it, in american people are probably more into ice hockey but it was just like i don't know every episode that i watch of this i'm like oh man like i can see i could see 15 year old me at this auditorium, just be like, "Oh my god, this is the greatest thing yeah. in the world!" <laughs> like this, you can t-
1: you can see why the people who were there have never let go of those times. This is like everyone else's university years, and they're like, "Hey, I went, yeah, to, exactly. You know, I had
0: this experience that was really
1: unique." Um,
0: yeah, what's that line uh, that John Cusack has in High Fidelity, where it's like, uh, "Some bands never get over the night that they supported Nirvana." <sighs> You know, it, it's- It feels like the ECW audience is the hmm. same thing, but you would- You would, right? I mean, this is a- You're seeing, like, the makings of- Yeah, oh, Mick absolutely. Foley and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, I still- Whenever I see Will Ospreay in, in New Japan and, and see the work that he's doing, there's a part of me that's like, I saw this guy in a town hall hmm. in Northgate with 200 <laughs> other people wrestle twice in the one night. And and literally, like, you know, and you just have that that thing of like, I was there, man. I was there at the beginning. I saw him. I saw him when he was like, you know, when he wasn't famous. Blah mm. blah 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 blah. Just on just just
1: to return quickly to nine one one, I have no facts about what this man is currently doing. He's alive apparently, which is great. Um, <laughs> well, what good. what I do uh, know is that he's got eight children. Jesus a lot Christ. Of kids. So, good on you, nine one one. one That's amazing. All right. I think that's about it. There's not a whole lot to talk about this episode, partially because a lot of the episode no. is taken up by replays of the previous episode. But we can we can move on to February 21, 1995. Um, a very good day. Uh, we get- This episode opens. Th- these are about 45 minute episodes. Um, Hmm. This episode opens with a 28-minute promo from Shane Douglas. Um, this, like, you know, you said if you would show someone what ECW was, it would be Sandman and Cactus Jack. I think we're about to experience what Shane Douglas meant to ECW, the, the franchise. Um. You know, he sort of covers – I think no one's opening a 45-minute show with a 28-minute promo unless they have a lot of trust and they matter. You know, he goes through the evolution of pro wrestling. He talks about how Bruno was the greatest and now Shane Douglas has revolutionized wrestling and Douglas has accepted the torch from San Martino, Steamboat and Flair, which I thought was very interesting because it sort of basically said that WWF was garbage after Sammartino. Martino. <laughs> Um, and then move to the NWA mm. with Steamboat and Flair and you know that those guys now have to retire um, it includes a montage of Shane Douglas winning matches to Tina Turner's the best, which is just <laughs> beyond incredible um, maybe the best use of music I've ever seen in pro wrestling other than maybe Tom Waits's old 55 on the Brody Lee tribute um like and just to point out, the best by Tina Turner was released in 1989, so it's not like they were like this was done tongue in cheek to show how ridiculous Shane Douglas is, uh, and then he sort of spans from Ric Flair uh, and how he wants to face Ric Flair to how he's going to face Marty Jannetty for the ECW title. Um, that's that's a hell of a step down, but he puts over Marty Jannetty like an absolute <laughs> motherfucker, um, and actually made me want to see this match, which I don't think we're going to get to, but. Uh, it was pretty good, it was pretty interesting. Um, then we get uh, Stevie Richards versus Tommy Dreamer. Uh, the audience uh, do not like Stevie Richards and find him deeply boring, uh, which is evidenced by the chance of boring. Um, however, the, this is this is classic classic ECW as the audience hands dreamer weapons, Dreamer beats Stevie Richards, Raven appears. Dreamer tells Raven to go back to the WWF. I Like, the incorporation of Raven's previous gimmick here is really fascinating. And then Dreamer goes into the crowd, and the crowd chants ECW. They love Tommy Dreamer. Um, we get a brief tribute to Eddie Gilbert. Uh, Chris Benoit vows revenge on Sabu. Paul E. sends a w- another warning to Benoit and Malenko, and then we get the highlights of Sabu and Cactus Jack.
0: What did you think? A twenty-eight minute promo is is pretty mm. phenomenal uh, by anyone's standards. I mean, I, I mean, obviously it was edited a little bit, but um, this was. Uh, I mean, I think in the last episode, I was like, oh, I'm kind of intrigued by Shane Douglas. I want to see more of him and, and why he was the franchise of ECW. And um, but uh, you get a real feeling uh, in this promo as as to why. Um does he have an issue with Ric Flair? Uh, he may. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ric Flair gets fucking mentioned more than Shane Douglas gets mentioned in this promo. Um But it was it was it's compelling and it was interesting to see him rejecting the NWA uh mm. title, which would um So, he currently is the NWA champion as well, right? Uh, No. So, so
1: previously, uh, when he won the NWA title, uh, when ECW was Eastern Championship Wrestling, he said, I refuse to accept this title. NWA is dead and garbage. Uh, (laughs) Basically, the promos I cut every time you uh, mention the NWA now. And uh, then he said he was the Extreme Championship Wrestling champion um so he sort of he does a it's a bit of a career montage for him like you know he sort of says when i was in you know the wwf i was starting to get steam and then i got injured and then rick flair tried to hold me down in wcw because he's a coward like i thought it was really like real like obviously the highlight for me was uh tina turner's the best which was just <laughs> incredible. Like, just an absolutely- I couldn't
0: help but think of Ricky Gervais in The Office. Every yes. time I hear that song now, <laughs> that all I think of is that uh, scene from The Office that is so squirm-worthy. Uh, maybe one of the most uh, testicle mm. uh, retracting <laughs> scenes in television history is watching that. Yes. Um, but the thing, like- Look, the biggest takeaway for me with this is the um uh, maybe I'm going to get a little uh, JR Jim Cornette here, but it, you you're investing in Shane Douglas, right? Mm. You invest almost a whole episode in him and showing why he's the franchise, why he's the EC- why he's ECW's top guy. Mm. And um and so now like, and it works because, like, even 26 years later when I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, well, I'm more interested in Shane Douglas now. I know his backstory. He cuts this promo. I mean, there's a couple of times where he stumbles and stuff, but you're going to do that in when you're talking for 30 minutes straight. Mm. Um, it, it's a pretty, I think it's a lesson that could be learned from modern um, promotions of, like, you don't have to have, you know, I mean, I, I kind of appreciate it with dynamite of how much they pack into one episode, and it's usually all pretty good. Mm. But they, you don't have to have everything. You don't have to have twelve things in one episode. No, you know what I mean. Like the like, Raw is a really good example of that. I mean, I'm not actually, I'm not gonna rag on WWE. I'm just saying that you've got three hours, so you could do more stuff like this. Mm. You could really flesh out storylines.
1: Well, the Um, the fact that you mentioned Raw is interesting because the only other sort of 28-minute promos that really exist in modern wrestling are, you know, someone comes out to open the show, gives you a rundown of everything that's happened, then they're interrupted by whoever the heel is or whoever the face is. Then they sort of have a little promo battle that's never very exciting. And then the authority figure comes out and, you know, makes a match between them or, you know, whatever. And this, I felt like. I was. I
0: always thought. That's exactly how
1: Raw opened this week. (laughs) That's amazing because I didn't watch it. Um, But the. I wasn't.
0: Uh, Me and Brian and and Alvarez did. We were fuming. (laughs) But we still watched Raw. (laughs) (laughs) I am.
1: I like I, like, I was not bored at all, and also, it, like, I've no, never been a no. big, like, I've never sort of, in hindsight, never been like, oh, you know, yeah, Shane Douglas, you know, I sort of knew him as the malcontent who, you know, never really made it in the big leagues and whinges still mm. about it. After watching this, I was like, Shane Douglas probably should have made it in the big leagues. <laughs> um, like, they misused him.
0: Yeah. I mean, he he really does... Uh, he really does Perry Mason his case here, right? By the end of it, mm. you're like, right, yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, it There's obviously something, you know, obviously, like for him to be still talking about Ric Flair 26 years mm. on, something really fucked up must have.
1: Yeah, Ric Flair must have actually uh, stomped on his neck a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, as, but uh, yeah, you don't hear those stories about you know when people are talking about sixteen time world champion and blah 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 blah. blah, You know you don't hear these stories very often, and it's kind of, I mean, it is sort of strange because I don't, I haven't really heard many other politicking stories about Ric Flair. You know, because mm. I mean, for so long, he wouldn't have to worry about it, right? He's Ric Flair. Who, like he would be like, who cares? So why would Shane Douglas? Of all people. You know what mm. I mean? Like, it feels like... I mean, maybe Shane Douglas has just cut a good promo and I've per- <laughs> 100% gobbled it up. But it, it is that thing of like, well, why isn't Shane Douglas in WCW? Mm. He's obviously good enough. I mean, just look at this promo. Yeah. <clears throat> He's blaming Ric Flair. Then, but There's got to be something to it, you know? Well, yeah. I mean... <clears throat>
1: It's not like there's an immediate payoff. Um,
0: no, no. If they, I mean, if this led to a match between him and Ric Flair in a year, you'd be like, no, nah, whatever. But the fact that, like, he was cutting these promos the whole time hmm. he was in ECW and is still banging on about it now. Like, I can't wait for that truth to come out. It always does yeah. eventually, you know, usually after people pass away. Oh, so. it,
1: it, I mean, it potentially, it potentially might have or it might already have and we just are not.
0: You know, we are noobs at this ECW thing, but I don't know. Uh,
1: on that subject, I, I think there's probably only one thing, other thing, really worth talking about in this particular episode, and I'm fascinated to hear what you have to think about it. Um, you're a massive Raven fan, yeah, and this is the first time you're watching the beginning of Raven. Yeah, what what do you think so far? You've had a month and a half of Raven here.
0: Uh, well, I was actually going to talk about him at the beginning of the next episode, but he fucking rules, and I want. I want him to destroy Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer but do you think looks- he rules
1: because of what they've shown so yes. far or because of what you No, you're no,
0: not- no. Like, even more so. I think in ECW, he's even- I can see what they're trying to do, and we kind of get this more in the next episode, so I don't want to, like, uh, tread mm. on the toes of that. But um, he, is- when they introduce other characters who are like, hey, we're here to help out, he is so- Like him, compared to- It's Stevie Richards, right? Who's his little buddy. Yes. Yeah. Stevie Richards is everything that was wrong with wrestling in the early 90s. And Raven is a really good embodiment of what is going to be the next five, six, seven years. That's going to get people back into wrestling. You know, like he's tapping into- That's interesting. I, I really genuinely think- when you see the two of them standing by side, standing side by side in this episode and the next episode, you're like, "That's what everyone's rejecting in Stevie Richards and Raven is, you know, like the, the and they build it up as well. It's like you're the embodiment of Gen X. So society made you. I love that. <laughs> society made you. That because that was a real thing on the mm. back of like you know grunge and Nirvana and stuff that like you know, we're a generation of lost souls made by society's evils, you know. But it was kind of the hangover from the 80s and the coked-up capitalism that our parents, you know, reveled in, you know. (laughs) And Raven was this embodiment of, like, you know, even just standing in the, uh, and you kind of see this in, um, exemplified in things like Fire Club and stuff as well, like this sort of nihilistic male attitude of, like, oh, whatever, you suck, everyone mm. sucks, I hate you, this all sucks. Um, I-, I genuinely, like, yeah, I loved Raven from WCW. I think the ECW, I mean, it's pretty much the exact same character, so I was probably going to like it. The only thing WCW seemed to have done better with Raven than ECW so far is the group that they're putting around him. Yeah. But I... Yeah, I-, I- well, <clears throat> I'm invested in this storyline, because I love Tommy Dreamer. I know you're not as big a fan.
1: I'm Um, not a big fan of Tommy Dreamer, but I am excited to- I'm open to becoming one.
0: But all all I was going to say is that, like, at this point watching this ECW, I'm like, fuck Tommy Dreamer, and I want Raven to destroy (laughs) him. (laughs) Because Tommy Dreamer's got this whole, like, Hey, what's going on? I'm a fucking New York guy. Hey, blah it and I'm like, "Uh, (laughs) kill him, Raven. Kill him. (laughs) Yeah. Let's
1: let's move on to the next episode. Uh, February 28th, 1995. Uh, Jason, the sexiest man in the world, not Jay Terrible, uh, and Paul Laurier talk about jealousy. We get a package on Raven and Tom- Tommy Dreamer and Sandman and Cactus that's sort of mixed together. Uh, Sandman delivers a promo on Cactus Jack. Uh, Raven comes out. Tommy Dreamer interrupts. Uh, Stevie Richards says that he got beaten up in a bar. <laughs> 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 and he's uh, he asked the two guys who did it to come to uh, ECW uh, to help him out It's the Broad Street Bullies uh, And they're going to fight Dreamer uh, The crowd trance boring as Stevie Richards talks uh, They they all brawl um, A mystery person, a genuine mystery person helps Paul Laurier defeat Hack Myers uh, the Triple Threat, which is the new name for Benoit Malenko and Shane Douglas, uh, we don't, you know, we haven't got that before, but then they sort of brag about how they now hold all of ECW's titles because we've got another uh, another title change. Uh, Benoit and Malenko have defeated uh, Taz and Sabu for the mm. tag team titles. Uh, the Sandman says he's got a mystery opponent uh, for... Cactus Jack um, they him and woman uh, unveil DC Drake. Uh, the crowd go mild. <laughs> uh, DC Drake is a hardcore wrestler who never really left Philadelphia. Um, Cactus uh, Cactus defeats uh, oh, sorry, it actually ends with a disqualification when Sam Man and woman attack Cactus. Um, He pushes, the Cactus pushes the Sandman into the the box in which DC Drake had been wheeled out in hiding. Uh, Sandman gets a sheet over his face. Uh, Cactus follows him, grabs him. You see his, uh, you can know it's Sandman because you can see his uh, American flag Zubaz pants (laughs) and Cactus hits him a few times. Uh, Cactus pulls the sheet off him and it's not Sandman at all. It's Terry Funk. Uh, sandman comes in behind cactus terry and cactus uh terry and sandman beat beat cactus this goes on for a very long time um dreamer comes out uh but he can't attack funk sandman mugs dreamer terry funk cuts a promo shane douglas comes down to the ring woman asks shane douglas to join their team and Shane Douglas decks the Sandman with the belt instead of Cactus, and the crowd goes absolutely bonkers. Mm. Uh, I was let's let's start on Raven, and then we'll we'll move back to the Terry Funk of it all, which is very exciting. But do you want to continue your Raven thoughts after this?
0: Uh, I just like so like this. Um, they're trying to build like a little faction around Raven, and. I mean it seems like there are limited resources as far as the wrestlers that Heyman can get in but these guys are so the bullies are so far removed from what Raven's trying to do as a gimmick that it's jarring you know cuz these guys are like hey forget about it well, they're kind of like you know like extra, they're like uh like you know they look like they they look and sound like they work for Tony Soprano and it just it's really weird of like, you know, <laughs> like I, I hope that Raven's going to turn on these guys or we never see them again. Like at this stage, it makes more sense for me to just have Raven as a solitary mm. character, whether this was the beginnings of Raven's flock or I don't know. I mean, I don't know what happens between here and and him moving into WCW. But so do you not know, do you not know about uh
1: do you not know about what Stevie Richards becomes in ECW? No. Okay, well then I'm not going to spoil that for you. But th- things pick up, business picks up.
0: Yeah, but these bully guys. I mean, uh, I wasn't. Yes, this I is. Was not- like, it's like no, no. This this again is like a hangover from like the late '70s, early '80s. Like these guys look like they look like Gorilla Monsoon and fucking. The body Jesse Ventura would be fucking calling these guys at the garden <laughs> in '82. You know, like they—they. They, it's like, yeah, I'm fine, but don't put them with Ray. It was just—I don't know. It's just jarring. I'm like, who the fuck are these guys now? Like, it, I'm so all in on Raven that I don't mm. want anyone else in there fucking it up. I just want to see him kill Tommy Dreamer. That's all if- I want <laughs> at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> Look,
1: I, Ravens Nest in a uh, ECW are, are not going to be as exciting as um as the flock, I guess. But there are some there there. It gets better. Don't worry.
0: Okay. Um. Uh. What else? Oh, I just noticed that uh, Joey Styles. I just want to give a shout out again. This is probably going to happen in every episode, but he um he is such a character driven um interviewer and i don't think we get a lot of that anymore i think you know like when i watch mean gene and joey styles there's this like they there's this interaction that they have with the wrestlers that is like uh, familiar but mm. they're also kind of slightly an authority figure like they can't be they can't be touched So then they can kind of ask the hard questions. I mean, Joey will show at times that he's fucking scared, especially when he's interviewing people like Sandman and stuff, which you should be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just like and this isn't, um, you know, I don't want to attack anyone who's working for WWE or AEW is probably a bit better at this than WWE. But uh, WWE in particular Uh, I mean, Charlie is probably at a point now where she's starting to do it, but there's about three or four other girls who work for WWE who I can't even remember their names. They're all sort of (sighs) interchangeable. And it's not their fault. They just get asked to ask the same questions all the time. I I just really appreciate the art of the wrestling interviewer when you're watching Joey Styles come up with this stuff, which seems to be off the top of his head. Yeah. Um, but I did, like, when he's- cu- And then he cuts promos for the company as well. He'll be like, you know, come down and watch us on Saturday and blah, blah, blah. Huh. Um, you know, you can- um, uh, <laughs> It's like, you can buy a season ticket to watch a bunch <laughs> of scabs play baseball because the baseball strike was happening <laughs> at this time. So, it's like, oh, it's good to see- It's good to see uh, Joey Styles is a full-on comrade, unionist. <laughs> good on him. <laughs> bunch of scabs. Yeah. Um, but he's really—I don't hear him speak, spoken about a lot in terms of ECW, and I—I I think that's a shame because he seems to be the vice captain of this of this team. He seems to sort of pull everything together. He's commentating, he's interviewing, he's cutting promos to get people down there. Like, um, mm. I, I really like him, and if he uh, if Someone could use him uh, if he's still interested in doing wrestling stuff. I would a hundred percent. If I was starting a promotion, I would a hundred percent be looking into what Joey Styles is up to and if he was interested in uh, so some I sort think of he's, a role.
1: I believe he's not. Is the um I think his last commentating gig was for WWECW. Yeah. Um, and and my understanding was he wasn't that keen. He worked for. W- WWE um, online, right. um, but I could be wrong. I mean, I think he's, I don't know. I think he's done some stuff on the indies, but, yeah.
0: He's just great. He's just great at what he does. You know, like, he's obviously passionate about it. Maybe, maybe he wouldn't be now, but he knows yeah. everything inside out. I just, yeah, he does. I mean, he he's on screen so much and it would uh, be so, so
1: easy. A- apparently, he's retired from pro wrestling. Uh, after making a comment uh, about grabbing a uh, fellow comment, making a joke around the Donald Trump comments, uh, grabbing a woman by their uh, genitals, I guess. So he made a joke about it or he did that? Uh, He made a joke about Donald Trump doing it to a fellow announcer and then they evolve... uh, had to terminate him and then he just retired
0: hmm okay that doesn't sound like a sackable offence to me
1: look I, the, yeah look there must have been more to it than me uh, than, than what wikipedia says but I agree with you Joey Styles is he's better than Jim Ross is he's probably better than Tony mm. Schiavone is but certainly is but um, you know it's a bit of a shame if that's the end of his career
0: Oh yeah, so I <laughs> cactus Jack's boomer song. <laughs> I what, didn't what,
1: mention this because I because you mentioned you wanted to talk on it. What um, the
0: fuck is going on? <laughs> it's born is to that, be wild. For- born to be wild is the most boomer of all songs, right? It's all I that, think about. <clears throat> or still crazy after all these years by Paul Simon. They're the, the to me they're the or the white or wider shouted pale by <laughs> King Griezmann. uh the, to me, they're the top three boomer yeah. theme songs. And Cactus Jack, it just doesn't- Cactus Jack should be coming out to, like, I don't know, man, Sepultura or something. Like, it, it's just, it's so jarring. When he came out, it was like, get your mood as I think <laughs> that, I think <laughs> that uh, Cactus Jack,
1: I don't know if this song was released at this point but the perfect cactus jack song to, for him to come out to given he's a in character from new mexico truth and <coughs> consequences new mexico he's a you know a gunslinger he's sort of yeah. a you know journeyman wrestler who's the craziest uh, most vicious how about coming out to stagger lee by nick cave and the bad oh, seeds of course nick cave <laughs> but come on that's a great call
0: <laughs> In my head, I see uh, Cactus Jack coming out to something like Primus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're known as Big Brown Beaver. <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking like- with I'm sticking with Stagger Lee, but um, yours probably has more dramatic impact. Mine's a little bit more, like uh, nod and wink. <laughs> all I all I think
1: of when I hear "Born to Be Wild" is that uh, is the Wog Boy. Oh, Um, my God. There's an Australian movie that was a big hit for some reason, Uh, a
0: a comedy film. For 20 years, there was this, like, cottage industry of uh, comedians with Italian, Greek, Turkish backgrounds taking the piss out of the racism that they had- Encounter, or their, their parents had encountered when they immigrated to Australia by playing up to all of those stereotypes and sort yeah. of talking about how they were claiming it for themselves, which I suppose they were, but it just, yeah, it all culminated with this film, The Wog Boy, which I don't even feel 100% comfortable saying the title of the film anyway. Well, it
1: all technically all culminated with the sequel to The Wog Boy, Kings of Mykonos.
0: Well, yeah, The Wog Boy 2, Kings of Mykonos, which is my favourite Game to play when driving on a long trip of just thinking of movie names, putting two on the end of it: Kings of Mykonos, Terminator Two, Kings of Mykonos, um, Shawshank Redemption Two, Kings of Mykonos. Well, that would sort of makes sense, actually. You want to put it? You want to put it on? Actually, it does a little bit. You want to try and put it on the most serious films you can think of. So, like The Lighthouse Two, Kings of Mykonos. <laughs> The Seventh <laughs> Seal 2, Kings of Mykonos. <laughs> yeah. And I think with our Ingmar Bergman eight, uh, eight reference- Eight and a half two, Kings of Mykonos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we- are Citizen it, Kane 2, Kings of Mykonos. I mean, it never stops being fun. <laughs> it's, yeah, look, it, it,
1: I think if we're referencing Orson Welles and Ingmar Bergman, that may mean we're- uh, We've done a full podcast. We've done February of ECW, <laughs> yeah, which I is reckon. exciting.
0: We'll do March um, next month. Is that a face turn for Shane Douglas just quickly at the end there? Or is it just I'm he's not- sticking up for Mick, uh, for Mick Foley?
1: I suspect it is both a face turn for Shane Douglas and a heel turn for Terry Funk.
0: Yeah. Man, the pop for Terry Funk is an all-timer, around.
1: Right? Oh, it's huge. Um, I'm really for- excited to see Terry Funk in ECW. Like, really, really excited.
0: It's one of the biggest pops I've ever seen at a wrestling auditorium. Mm. It's a stone cold uh,
1: Royal Rumble pop.
0: I saw, um, I'm trying to, is it ICW, the British? uh, Go and look it up on YouTube. We'll put it in the notes. But there's a, I think it's ICW. It's like a Scottish promotion and Mm. and Triple H shows up.
1: That's, yeah. It was
0: when they were starting NXT UK Ah, and Pete. Pete Dunne was the NXT UK champion He was there and then Triple H just showed up But no one knew And you would so have popped pop- like mad No, I didn't, but everyone else did
1: So <laughs> I think my my favourite uh, UK I don't hate Hunter as
0: much as I used to anymore
1: <laughs> My favourite UK wrestling pop remains uh, Grado doing the Goldberg entrance Until he gets to the ring And it turns into Madonna's Like a Prayer Which is, in my yeah, opinion, the, gr- the greatest song about blowjobs ever written but now we're here. I think we got to get out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This was fun, man. I love. I love watching ACW. It It's such a. It's such a throwback. It's such a time machine. Mm, it's great.
1: No, it is legitimately great. And I hope you know we're in '96 in WCW, where pre uh, Scott Wesley Hall rocking up, and uh, I don't know if Scott Hall's middle name's Wesley. By the way, I just made that <laughs> it up. It is from now on. <laughs> um, we're so like we're, five
0: episodes away. It's palpable.
1: Yeah. We're not like, in, we're not encouraging people to watch along with WCW. We're encouraging them to listen to us and not have to put themselves through that. But you yeah, would be absolutely. remiss to not be watching ACW if you're listening to this. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, and all the episodes are just sitting there on the network. So if you've still got the network, like go and go and watch it. Because it's um one, we don't know how long it's gonna be there for. Before NBC find the servers with this stuff on and go, what's this shit and just delete it. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and, um, and they
1: may ECW may be the first to go, just given the um, just given some of the more controversial content of it.
0: Yeah, but even if you like, if you were just some NBC dude and didn't know anything about wrestling and you just like looked at one episode, you'd be like, who who filmed this handy cam footage mm. of these like bingo halls, man? Like, get rid of this shit. So um, yeah, watch it while you can. Watch it while you can, friends. Alright. <laughs> uh
1: go and be your best selves for the next month. That's my that's my positive uh reinforcement.
0: Yeah. Be the franchise in your story. Oh, that's very good.